Musher, uh, casting the heart strong vision, Pastor Rich. Uh, Lori and I went on our date this past Friday night. Went to the Lily Garden over in Algonquin Road. Only $26 for a very good meal. Egg rolls to kill for. Uh, we also took a couple checkups. So uh, join in, guys, and let's continue to cultivate our marriages. This past week, uh, we were kind of consumed with a news story about a young boy named Ethan. You see a picture of him here, five years old, and he uh, was kidnapped in a very strange way. Uh, he was riding in this bus, and this crazed man, Jimmy Lee Dykes, came and waved down the bus and said to the driver, I want two of your children. I'm going to kidnap them. And the driver, of course, uh, didn't want that to happen, so he put the bus into reverse, and he shot the driver and killed him. And he grabbed Ethan from the front seat, and he took him to his property, and he took him down into a bunker underground, and sealed the hatch. And, of course, all the authorities, the FBI, showed up. And what took place was a six-month standoff. We see a press conference here. Uh, people, of course, wanted to know what was happening with this little child. Whenever children are hurting, uh, we have a real concern. And they provided uh, whatever Ethan needed, whatever this man allowed. So they brought him toys, and they brought him Cheez-Its, and they brought him uh, medicine that he needed. And they would put it out in front of the hatch, and then they would leave, and then he would come up and take the stuff, uh, Jimmy Lee, that is, from uh, the uh, top of the hatch and go back into the hatch. Well, this past Monday around 3 o'clock, six days almost to the hour that Ethan had been kidnapped. They felt that Jimmy Lee's mental state was deteriorating. They actually had dropped a camera down there to see what was going on. And so they decided they had to move in, so they sent in a hostage rescue team. And this time when he came up to get the stuff for Ethan, they were there and threw in flash grenades and he tried to shoot back and he was killed and Ethan was rescued. In fact, here's a picture of him at his sixth birthday party. Uh, not too many days after that, and uh, the country rejoiced uh, with his family, and with his town. As I reflect upon this story, it's just so wonderful when something happens like this in the sense that we as Americans are so consumed with it, we're concerned about it, we're praying about it, and the reason is, is because we love our kids so much, and when we think of little Ethan, we think, what if that was my kid that was in a bunker? You know, how devastated would I be? How would I want other people to help me? Well, I want them to pray, and that's what many of you did. You prayed, and just God answered those prayers. We love our kids. And, and the key word when we think of love is sacrifice. Sacrifice. You sacrifice your kids, don't you? Those of you who have younger kids, you're just running all day long and sometimes all night long to take care of them. They grow older, you're always thinking about them, how they're developing, how you can help them develop to be mature men and women, Christ followers, 
You're driving them everywhere, giving them all types of experiences, helping them with their homework, taking them to sporting events. and You just love your kids, and you continue to sacrifice for them. You sacrifice so much money for your children. I've got three boys, 17, 20, and 22, and they're like three horses when they eat. I eat like a bird. But I've got uh, three horses in the house, and I can tell by our food bill. We sacrifice for our children because we love them. And we know that God loves us because He sacrificed for us. He sacrificed His Son. And Jesus Christ sacrificed His life. We read about this in Philippians 2. It says, Jesus Christ, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ made the sacrifice by leaving his throne in heaven to become one of us. Then he made the sacrifice of giving his life in order that we might have a personal relationship with God and that our sins might be forgiven. God loves us so much. He sacrificed sacrifices for us. Now, we see a command in Matthew 22. It says, Jesus Christ said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That means we're to love God with everything that we have. And that means sacrifice. We need to sacrifice in our relationship to God. Now, we looked down at Luke 16, 13. We reviewed this last week. It says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So, Jesus Christ is saying, either you're going to be a slave to God or a slave to money. Interesting, he doesn't say Satan. He says, Money. Remember our definition of idol worship that we looked at last week? The things we give our thoughts, time, and treasure or money to in order to find the meaning and satisfaction we can only find in God. That's idol worship. Instead of worshiping God as we were made to do, we worship other things. And money's the currency of worship. We spend money in order to get what we want. So God says, are you going to be a slave to me? Are you going to serve me? Are you going to sacrifice to me? Or are you going to be a slave to money? Are you going to serve money? Are you going to sacrifice for money and all the things that money brings? Jesus Christ, it's right to the heart of it. We look at uh, Matthew 6:21, our memory verse for this month. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Our treasure follows our heart. Our money follows our heart. Look at your checkbook and see what you're spending your money on. Look at your Quicken registry and see what you're spending your money on. And that will tell you what's important to you in your life. And God doesn't need your money. God wants your heart. But He knows in order 
for you to move toward Him that you're going to have to sacrifice your money in order to show Him that He is number one, in order to show Him that your heart is in the right place because your treasure follows your heart. And we're continuing in a short series I started last week called Giving Your Heart Away. And the question is, how much of your heart does God have? How much are you sold out to Him? I want to continue to ask that question this morning. And God is very specific in Scripture about how He wants us to be sold out to Him financially. It's called giving the tithe. In Malachi 3.10, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there, be, that there may be food in my house. That's a command. Bring the full tithe. What's a tithe? It's 10% of your gross income. That's what he says. Bring that into my house. Bring that into my church. Show me that you love me. Sacrifice financially. That's what God is telling us. And I'm hoping that as we go through our time together, that you would ask the Lord, that you would be open to what God's Word says about where your heart is, where your money is, and how much you're willing to sacrifice for the Lord. Now, we were in the midst of an Ecclesiastes series, and as I told you last week, I was looking at our January financial numbers, and I realized that giving was down. And it was so down that I said, we need to talk about giving again because if we continue with this pattern, this trend, at some point we're going to have to make some significant hard decisions about our ministry. And so that's why we're taking these three weeks. This is the second out of three weeks, and then two weeks we'll return to our Ecclesiastes series. And I just want to let you know that what I'm teaching today only applies to those people, to those people who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Those people who realize they're sinners, that they're can only be saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. If that's not you, it doesn't apply to you. Okay? But let's talk about why I should tithe. First of all, because God wants to be first. God wants to be number one in your life. Last week we talked about the first commandment. In the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, no idol worship. I want to be top priority I want you to love me the most and put me in the proper position in your heart. He instructs the Israelites in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. They weren't paid a paycheck back in that day. They were farmers, so they brought their grain, and God said, What I want you to do is when you harvest your grain, the first portion of that harvest I want you to bring to me, the tithe of your harvest. And if you do that, I will bless you. I will provide for you. I will meet your needs. And we look at Exodus 13. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both a man and a beast, is mine. 
He's saying, not only are you to give me the first part of your crops, but when you have a new calf, when you have any new animal, the firstborn out of that particular group of animals born comes to me. It's dedicated to me. I want the first one. And even when you have children, the first male child that is born is to be dedicated to me. What is the deal with God? Why is He setting up all of these commands for the Israelites to remember to give to Him first? Well, He knows people. And He knows how we can put other things in front of Him. So every time an animal is born, every time they received resources for their work, they were to first give that portion, that first fruits we call it, because it was an agrarian society, they gave that first fruits to God because God wanted them to remember that He is a source of everything that we have. God wanted them to know that everything that was given to them did not belong to them that they were to manage those resources for God. You realize that, right? Everything that you have, God owns. You are God's money manager. He, he gives it to you for the amount of time that you're here on this earth to use for His glory, to further His kingdom, to care for your family, to do as He directs you to do. It's not yours. Now, when you came in, you received... A dollar bill, hopefully. Wave your dollar bill. Got your dollar bill? All right. Now, you're thinking, hey, now things are working right. They're giving me money to come to church. Well, <laughs> this dollar bill and the dollar bill that you're holding was entrusted to Lori and I because this is part of our income. And we tithe. We give beyond the time because of our great love for God. So, so what you're holding is the dollar bill that God entrusted to Dan and Lori in order uh, to give back to Him. So what I want you to do with this dollar bill is when the offering goes by, I want you to put the dollar bill in because it's my money. <laughs> and I'm entrusting you I'm, I'm trusting you that you'll do that now I know some of you are dreaming of the dollar meal at McDonald's but hopefully that won't happen right now what if I were to say to you I am commanding all of you to put $10 in the offering today you'd say who do you think you are Right? What kind of church is this requiring me to give as much as the pastor says? Well, I would say the same thing. I'd walk right out the door. But what the Bible says, and this is where we live in our relationship with God, God says, I want you to give 10% of your gross income to me because I own everything. I gave you 100%. And I want you to use 10% at least of that to support the local ministry, to support the church that you've chosen as your home. That's what God is communicating to us. 
It's a step of faith. It's a wonderful step of faith that will transform your life. You know, the great thing about when you give to God first is that you make your whole income holy. Romans eleven sixteen speaks of the relationship of the Gentiles to the Jews and how they're joined together under the new covenant. In verse 16 it says, If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So if the dough, that's not talking about money, but it's kind of an interesting thought, though. <laughs> if the dough for the bread is offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. So if a portion of the dough is holy, if you offer that to God first, then the whole lump is holy. What this is saying is, when you obey God, when you tithe to Him, when you give Him the first fruits, when you honor Him, when you pay Him first, that blesses your whole income. That makes holy your whole income. And I tell you what, I want my income to be blessed. I was talking with a person this past week and asking them about Easter traditions, and they said, yeah, my husband goes over uh, to the church the Saturday of Easter, weekend and he has the Easter uh, see the Easter baskets blessed and anybody ever done that before okay some of you have back there and I said well that's interesting to have your Easter baskets uh, blessed but but I would much rather have my income blessed <laughs> wouldn't you <laughs> I mean the beautiful thing is when you give to God first he blesses your entire income he supernaturally supercharges it and makes it go much farther than you could ever imagine. When you give to God with the right intent and with the right motive through the power of Jesus Christ out of incredible gratefulness for what Jesus Christ has done for us, God blesses all of your income. God is the one who is going to take care of you. You're giving it all to God and say, God, my whole financial life is yours. When you pay Him first. Now, who do you pay first? You say, well, no, they steal it from me. The government does. <laughs> Even before I get my paycheck, they've taken their bite out of it. Well, that, that's the way things... It didn't used to be that way. You actually paid your whole income tax, but... The government cut on, caught on that people weren't paying the government first, so they required that it be taken out of the checks. Well, friends, we need to pay God first. I mean, who do you pay first? Do you pay your credit card company first? Do you pay the credit card company? Do you think your credit card company wants to bless you? Do you think your credit card company wants to enhance your life? No, they want to rip you off. They want to send you into debt. They want you to be paying interest till the day you die. Do not pay the credit card company first. You pay NICOR first? You think they're worthy of your first gift from the income you've earned from your hard work? You're going to send it to NICOR? Is that going to make your income holy? I don't think so. The first and only person that you pay first is God. The first 
the first check you write, or even better, set up direct deposit. I mean, it's just like the government, right? You're putting God up there above the government. Say, hey, God, you take your money out. Right? I don't want to forget. You can set that up uh, through our website. But the point is, is you pay God first because He's the one who deserves it. He's the one who's commanded you to do it. And He's the one who's going to bless you when you pay Him first. So God wants to be first. The second thing about tithing is God wants to grow you. God wants to grow you. Philippians 4, 18 and 19. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. This is Paul writing to the people at Philippi. And the people at Philippi had sent a gift that he's talking about here through Epaphroditus. So this is like a thank you note. The book of Philippians really is a thank you note for a financial gift that was sent to Paul. And then he goes on to say, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, many of us are familiar with that verse. We've memorized that verse. We've claimed that verse, right? God is going to supply all of our needs. But remember, it's in a context. What is he saying? Because you paid God first, because you gave sacrificially to my ministry, God is going to take care of your needs. So, friends, if you expect God to take care of all of your financial needs, you've got to honor Him first. And if you're not honoring Him first, you're not getting the blessing that God wants to give you. That's just the way it works. And, and again, the major problem that people have with this is, well, that takes a lot of faith to give 10% of my income. I don't have that kind of money. Well, that's faith, right? That's stepping out and saying, Lord, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I am going to put you first. And I know when I put you first, even though my finances might be in a mess right now, you are going to sort those out because I do not want to be disobeying you. The one person that can help me, I don't want to be cheating. Right? A lot of people think, well, I've got to pay my debt first. I've got to pay my debt off before I pay God. No, 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 no. You got it all wrong. God is the one who can help you get out of debt. God is the one who can help you to get your finances straight. So you pay Him first. My desire for you and the, the reason why I get excited about teaching this message is that I want you to get on the path of blessing. And the only way to get on the path of blessing is to obey God in this area from the heart. Now, I know people uh, in the past who have been giving you know, a tithe, but their heart has not been close to God. So it can become a legalistic thing, like I'm giving my 10% and that's good and I'm going to go live my life. I mean, anything can become legalistic. But as we study it in Scripture, if you're doing it out of the right intent and motive, God is going to take care of you, but it's scary. It's scary to take that first step of faith. But, but, but I tell you, God comes through in an incredible way. I think of my wife Lori and I, and we tithe uh, throughout the years, and God has always taken care of us. 
we, we've just been amazed time and time and time again. Uh, there's some families that helped send our kids to Christian school, uh, families that helped with our kids' braces, and, and just, you know, <laughs> miracle after miracle after miracle when we put God in charge of our finances, when we put Him first. He delivers. But we need to step out in faith. And I think it talks about sacrifice there. If you're going to give 10%, say, I'm going to have to make some sacrifices. Maybe you're going to have to eat out less. Maybe you're going to have to buy uh, less clothes. Maybe you're going to have to cut back on the cable. Maybe you're going to have to sell your car. You bought a car without considering God. You, you bought into a car payment without paying God first. And now you've got to go back and rectify that situation. You've got to sell that car, buy the, the most reasonable used car you can buy, so you can start to pay God first and get this thing going in the right direction. People think, well, you know, once I get my finances together, then I'll give to God. No, 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 it's all, it's all backwards. You've got to give to God first. You've got to make that the priority. There's no good time to tithe, okay? It's not like, oh, now I finally arrived the time to tithe. No, 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 there's no good time. You've got to step out. And I know so many people are struggling today, and that's why this teaching is more important than ever. Because so many of you are struggling because you're not obeying God in this area. And you're not seeing the miracles that you hear about other people, God providing, because you're not stepping out in faith. Because you look at the numbers, they don't add up, so you say, well, I, I can't do that. And you go along your merry way and things get worse. And you're, What's going on here? Well, it's because you're not obeying God. You're not paying Him first. You're not honoring Him. Uh, there was a study done of our givers in 2012 here at Springbrook. We could bring that chart up uh, right now. Uh, this is uh, Springbrook giving patterns in 2012. This is based on 280 giving families, people giving like, more than $200 a month, something of that nature, $200 a year. Uh, but out of the... Uh, 280 families, if we just said, okay, the median income for this area is $60,000. I think that's a little bit low, but we'll set it low, $60,000. So if you're tithing, you're giving $6,000. 25% of our families are giving 10% of their income, $6,000 or more. So that's 70 families. 49% uh, uh, are giving... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, 17% of our families are giving 4 to 9% of their income. Okay, 2400 to $6,000. That's 50 families. Uh, 2 to 3%, excuse me, 23% of our families are giving 2 to 3% of their income. So that's 12 to $2,400. 60 families. And then 35% of our families are under 2% of their income, what they give. Meaning they give during a year. Uh, under $1,200, and that's 100 families. That's, that's 35%. So as you can see, there's room for growth here. There's room for obedience. And, and you know, it's hard, and, and that's why I want you to take out your insert at this time, uh, the screen sheet here, your message notes, and uh, look at uh, the side that says a biblical stewardship commitment. 
And this is how we try to encourage you in a creative way to take the step of tithing. It says the concept of tithing is a method of financially supporting the church and its ministry. Tithing means contributing 10% of one's income to the storehouse, the place where one receives spiritual strength, the church they attend. If you do not tithe, you're encouraged to practice this biblical principle for the first or the next three months. First, you decide to commit the first 10% of your weekly income to the storehouse. After the 90 days, if it has created a financial crisis or you did not receive a blessing, your money will be returned. <laughs> this is how much we believe in this principle. We're saying, hey, try it out. Put your faith in God. Test Him in this. And after 90 days, if you're in a bigger financial jam than you've ever been, we will give the money back and we will not think less of you in any way. We'll say, well, it just didn't work out for some reason. Okay? So again... People come up to me and they say, well, you know, I can't tithe. And I say, well, try out the tithing challenge. Uh, you will refund your money because we believe that God will come through for you as you honor Him. Well, let's move on. The third reason. The third reason to tithe is God wants to bless you. This is my favorite part. God wants to bless you. Friends, as I prepared for this message, I always, I don't know, sometimes I, I feel uneasy about it because I, I don't like to make people feel uncomfortable, really. That, that's not the way I'm wired, <laughs> you know. And so I start to think about it, and I start to think about people and where they're at financially and the struggles they have. But then it kicks in. Oh, and say, Dad, 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 why would you rob your people of the principle that has transformed your financial life. Why would you not share with people what you have seen work in so many people's lives? You've heard so many stories over the years how when you give to God, you can't outgive Him. When you obey God with the tithe, when you continue to increase that percentage of money that you give to God on a weekly basis as He blesses you, God... God takes care of you. Why would you why would you have any reservations about sharing that with people? And I said, God, you're right. Thank you. I was getting weak kneed here. Uh, you know, I mean, because I am just dead serious. This is one of the most powerful teachings in Scripture that will transform your life. Because I tell you what, once God shows you he can show up financially he's going to show you that he can show up in every other area of your life as i talk with mature christians as i have many many people over the years they are always generous givers they're tithers they're beyond the tithe and i am so excited to share this with you today because I know that if you embrace it, if you obey God, if you put Him first, if you give Him the 10%, if you step out in faith, God is going to do amazing things in your life. He's going to bless you. Malachi 3. Malachi was a prophet in the Old Testament and he was prophesying to Israelites who were stale. Uh, they had no heart for God. Their heart was all for themselves. Uh, when they worshipped, they worshipped when it was convenient. When they were supposed to bring lambs to worship, they would bring the sickest 
lamb to be sacrificed, the one that was about to die anyway, when they were supposed to bring the best. So they were not committed to God in any way. So Malachi lays it out. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? These people were not giving the tithes that were required of them. And therefore, they were robbing God. And some of you are robbing God. God has given you all these resources and says, pay me first. And you're not paying them first. You're giving them the leftovers as these people were. Well, it's wrong and it's sin. You need to repent and you need to obey Him. He says, you're cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. And then he goes on to, to bring the full tithe into the storehouse. The full tithe. He says that there may be food in my house, and therefore put me to the test. Now, that's very interesting because God says in other places in the Scripture, don't test me. Don't fool around with me. But he's saying, in this area, I know it's difficult for you. I know it's hard. I know it's like that, that takes so much faith. But God will give you the faith. He'll give you the spiritual power necessary to follow Him in this way. Put me to the test, God says. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I don't want you to be confused here. I'm not saying that if you give to the Lord, if you tithe to Him, that you're going to be financially well off and life is going to go wonderfully. No, not at all. But I am saying what it says right here and what God continues to say, as we've talked about many times throughout Scripture, when you obey God, He blesses you. He doesn't have to bless you because He's God. We should obey Him. But when you obey God, He blesses you. And especially in this area because He knows it's so difficult for us. I don't know how He's going to bless you. Is He going to bless you emotionally? Is He going to bless you spiritually? Is He going to bless you financially? Is He going to bless you relationally? All I know is He blesses you. He has blessed Lori and I and our family because we have been faithful in this area. And I'm not bragging here. I'm just telling you my experience because I want you to experience yourself. God's goodness when we step up. And many times people will say, well, you know, the tithe, that was part of the Old Testament law. We no longer have to live under most of those laws. Well, you look at Jacob when he had that wonderful dream about how God was going to bless him. Well, he made a new commitment to God. And part of that commitment we've seen in you see in Genesis 28:22, And Jacob said, And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. That was 400 years before the law was given. Abraham gave a tenth to a priest in his day. That was way before the law. Now, now if you say, well, I don't believe in the tithe, okay, that's fine. But that means you're a New Testament liberal giver. That means you give more than the tithe. Praise God for that, right? Because I just can't... I mean, we can talk about this. Please come up to me if you disagree with me. I'd love to talk with you. But is God going to be retrogressive? You say, okay, I'm going to ask you guys to give 10% in the Old Testament as a regular tithe. But in the New Testament, do what you want. You know? Or, you know, 
Doesn't it make sense that when we have realized what Jesus Christ has done for us, that we're going to want to give so much more than the people in the Old Testament did? That we're going to give 11%, 12%, 13%, 14%, whatever God leads us to give. I mean, that's a New Testament giver. Uh, we look in uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 3. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed to the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside. Now, they were paid on the last day of the week on Friday. So the first day of the week, they were to have a plan here. Put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. The idea is it's a percentage basis. So as God gives you more and more money, he doesn't give you that to raise your standard of living. He gives it so that you may raise your standard of giving. That's why he gives you more money. So put it as, uh, store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. So the idea is that really the tithe is just a starting place of where God wants you to be. And then as you grow, you want to give more and more of your income. So all of us, all of us should be looking toward this new year and say, okay, God, I gave so much of my income to you last year. Let's say 10%. Uh, what am I going to do this year? What do you want me to do? And pray and think about it. Uh, and, and again, decide whatever that percentage might be and then make a plan and say, okay, I'm going to do direct deposit. I'm going to bring it on the first day of the month or whenever I get paid, make a plan and bring it regularly. Put it in one of our giving envelopes. Put your name on it. A lot of people say, well, I give in cash because you're supposed to give in secret. Now, the idea behind that particular teaching was don't go bragging about it. You want to be accountable for what you give to the Lord. And you want a tax break, right? I mean, hey, we're supposed to pay our taxes, but if we can give more money to God by getting the proper you know, tax break on our taxes and turn that around and give that to God, let's do that. I mean, that's foolish just to give cash, right? That's what I think, at least. But all that to say is that God is going to bless you as you put that plan together. Deuteronomy 15.10. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging. Remember, God loves a cheerful giver. When you give to him, because for this the Lord will bless you in all your work and all uh, that you undertake. Luke 6, 38. Given it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running down, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The last reason that we should tithe is God wants to provide for his bride. Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, friends, this is God's financial plan for the temple and for the church. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Now, again, I wouldn't be talking about this right now if people were not in obedience in this way. That's the way God set it up. God said, bring 10% in and the church's needs or the temple's needs uh, will be supplied. And if people obeyed in this area, we wouldn't have any financial issues. So that's why it's so important. You are caring for the bride of Christ. Every time you obey God in this area, you're caring for the bride of Christ. So I, I just encourage you and challenge you to think and pray about this. And again, I encourage you to take this tithing challenge. And what you want to do with this Again, is look at the bottom part. Everybody take this out. 
And uh, it says, my part is recognizing God's desire to become a partner with me and desiring the reward for promise Malachi 3.10. I step out in faith by committing the first 10% of my income for the next 90 days to the Lord through Springbrook Community Church. You say, I, I will begin tithing, or maybe you're already tithing. And you say, well, I want to I step it up to the Lord. I want to experience more of his blessings as he's guided me. And check that off. Uh, make that decision. Bring it to God in your daily office and say, God... Show me, and if you misunderstand anything I've said, uh, please talk with me, talk with someone you know who uh, knows about these things, and get counsel so you can process uh, through it. Right now we're going to have uh, Chris and Karen Kibaki uh, come out. Chris and Karen have been attending Springbrook for many years, and they have been faithful uh, just members uh, serving in so many different ways, and I just want them to tell their story of how God has transform their lives as they have obeyed the uh, principles we've talked about today. So, tell us about your journey of giving. For me, it wasn't, the journey of giving wasn't much of a journey. My parents taught me to tithe when I was a child, and I started tithing with my first babysitting check when I was 10. For me, the journey was about a heart issue. It was about learning that God isn't some sort of vending machine where you put in a tithe and he makes your life easy and convenient. Life is not easy and convenient. He blessed us in so many ways that I I can never tell you. But we've had a a life that's less than perfect. Uh, Chris? The opposite one. My uh, parents did not teach me the principle of tithing. And I didn't actually learn it until after we got married. The lesson that I learned was, no matter how much you pad the savings account and plan for that rainy day, the problem is always bigger. And so many times I had some disaster wipe it out, and I've been at places where you wonder if you can buy groceries this week or put gas in the car to go to work. And I realized that the lesson that God was trying to teach me was to trust Him, not trust myself, not trust my bank account, not trust my resources, because... They're finite. Trust him. His resources are infinite. Now, Karen, I know you were out of work for a year, and uh, you're also now looking for another contract job. So how do you continue to obey God in the midst of uncertainty? Other people would say, hey, be stocking everything you can away uh, for when you might not have a job. How How do you keep giving in the midst of uncertainty? I was a dedicated saver. So I would give a tithe to God, and then I'd put everything else in my savings account, everything I possibly could. And um, I knew that my savings account was my security. It would provide for me. And there would be a crisis, and that savings account would get wiped out. But that's okay, because I would save some more. And the savings account would get wiped out again. You know, I don't know how many times that savings account got wiped out before I figured out that a savings account was not my security. It was God that directed my career path. It was God that gave me the health and the abilities to work. And he was the one that provided for us. And from that, it only made sense that we would return our income to him because it wasn't our bank account that was providing for us. How about you, Chris? I've had other people ask me, too, is how can you you still tithe when, like from the unemployment check we were getting when Karin was off work? And, you know, when times are good and economy's booming and your job's doing well and you're getting big bonuses, it's easy to 
forget about God and forget about His blessings because everything's going well. You know, when times are uncertain, you don't know if you're going to keep your job or you've lost your job, that's when you need God's blessings the most. And that's not the time to go into rebellion against God. It's not the time to not let Him bless you fully. Tell me some of the blessings that God has given you because you've obeyed Him. One that I'll never forget happened a few years ago. And I had gotten a demotion at work. And I'd been demoted out of the job that I had that allowed us to afford our house into a lower-paying position. And um, we were no longer going to be able to afford our lifestyle. We were going to have to move and, or else, you know, choose things we didn't want, like no lights. So we, um, <laughs> so we didn't know what to do. And the day after my pay cut became effective, we were sitting at Chris's mom's house, and she lived in Indiana out in the middle of nowhere. And somebody rang the doorbell, which in and of itself was very weird. Like, nobody ever came there. And we went to the door, and the guy said, we'd like to rent your barn. I've got some horses. I'd like to rent your barn. And, I, and I've been asking around. I called all over, and this is the amount that is reasonable for a facility like yours. And here's the amount I'd like to pay you. And we said, Okay and broke a contract. And when I went home and crunched the numbers, I was astonished to see that the amount that he was going to pay us for the barn was within $600 of what I had lost in my pay cut. <laughs> Chris? You know, we had lots of stories like that, that that I can tell you, but one that has uh, stuck with me is when uh, Karen was laid off and she got a severance. And she found a job almost exactly to the day, one year to the day. And it was almost exactly one dollar to the amount of the severance wearing out and we were going to have to start hitting savings. Through that year, we never hit savings. But beyond anything financial, what I have is a, is a trust and a peace. I know God will provide for us. I don't have to worry about it. Not that I don't worry, but the, she always laughs. <laughs> But I don't have to worry about it. I know God will provide for us. He's done it continually. He promises to provide for us. And He never goes back on His promises. I know He will provide for us. We will not starve. And that is... The importance of that is beyond money. It's, it's just awesome. Friends, Christian and Karen are not super Christians they were not born in a, another world. <laughs> They're just regular people who have trusted in Christ. And you're out there today and you're thinking, wow, that's great for them, but that will never happen for me. Well, you know, the same God they serve, that's the same God you love and serve. Wouldn't it be great if a couple years from now you were up here and saying, wow, you know, I didn't think it would work. <laughs> I put my faith in God and I I took that step of faith, and it's transformed my Christian life. Let's, let's thank Chris and Karen for their testimony. Let me pray for you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for Chris and Karen's story, how they testified to your goodness today. Lord, you are so good. 
And I pray you'll continue to provide for them. I pray you'll provide that job uh, for Karen. And, uh, Lord, I, I pray for all my friends here. I know this is a difficult message. Uh, it's about money. It's about obedience. And I pray that you would uh, just speak through your spirit uh, this week as people process through this. And, Lord, my heart as a pastor is I want them to be blessed as I Lori have been blessed, Chris and Karen have been blessed, and so many others, uh, with the joy of putting you first, honoring you, uh, giving our hearts totally to you. In Christ's name, amen. I think if our ushers come forward at this time, we are going to...